0: All right, here we go. Are you ready for 48 Days Podcast? Here's my question. Are you following a crippled dog? Now, that may seem like a strange question, but I got a story for you. Just stick with us. We're going to explain that. But it's hard to be what you've not seen. I mean, that's why I talked two weeks ago about the importance of having mentors. Failure is a learned behavior. We think what we've seen, what we're watching, is normal. (laughs) Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, we're going to be taking care of business. There's so much happening in the workplace today. So many new opportunities, so many things changing. We're going to be talking about Quiet quitting, quiet firing. Here's some of the other things we're going to cover. Uh, Somebody says, I got a call to help me get my student loan forgiveness. Should I return that call? Going to give you some guidelines on that. How about this? I'm 36 and doing well. Should I go back to school to get my MBA? And a lady wants to know, is now a bad time to get into real estate? Well, we got all that and more. Here on the 48 Days Podcast, a quotation comes from Isaac Newton. Remember him? Isaac Newton, who said, If I have seen further, it is by standing on the shoulders of giants. More in that idea. We become what we think about, what we see, the mentors we're around, all of that. Going to continue that theme. Our resource for today is our upcoming, we're calling it kind of a peak experience, We're starting on Tuesday, September 9th. We're going to open the doors. You're going to have access to some of our best Eagle uplifts that we've had, the programs we've had going on, the trainings we've had going on, some of the best mentors we've had in that community. Access to those. If you just go to 48days.com slash PEAK, P-E-A-K, going to lead you into a PEAK experience, but also a PEAK into what's happening in the Eagles community. That also opens the door. A lot of you have been waiting for the eagles door to open again we weren't sure how we were going to handle that we closed a few months ago to really lean in we've learned a lot we've grown we've we're seeing amazing success with the people that are in there but and it's going to be your opportunity to take a look at what's going on there and join us if you choose to do that again starting on tuesday september 9th go to 48days.com slash peak p-e-a-k for that now i went to podcast movement last week I continue to enjoy doing the podcast, and now and it's, well, started back in December of 2006, so you can do the math on that, never missed a week, never did a replay, that's pretty unusual in this industry. There are now over 4 million podcasts, over 4 million. I mean, all the major networks realizing that TV and radio are diminishing in their impact, they're all jumping into podcasting, they're putting big bucks into it, finding a host and sponsors, and guests, all those things, drawing a whole lot of money, a lot of things interesting happening there. But I go to these conferences, like Podcast Movement, to deepen relationships, not necessarily to get new content, but to deepen relationships, to meet people, other people who are in this same, who are doing the same thing, who have experienced the power of podcasting. You know, it's not something I recommend that everybody do, but if you're comfortable with the medium, it's the most powerful connection tool I've ever experienced. And I'm Privileged to um, be um, kind of honored as one of the original people in podcasting and uh, still continue to draw a great audience, even though I'm not CBS or NBC or NPR or any of those or Spotify or Pandora, all which are represented at the podcast movement conference. But this is what there's a, a ranking service out there that shows people who are looking to be guests on podcast, which ones are really doing well. Here's what it says about mine. It says, join Dan Miller every week for the 48 Days to the Work You Love internet radio show. Dan is referred to as the nation's leading authority on work, career, and business startup. This long-running show continues to sit solidly in the top 1% of all podcasts in the world. Dan believes we can all find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Well, I'm thrilled at their overview, their review. to Show me in the top... 1% of all podcasts in the world. I consider that an honor. It's interesting in that those of us who got into podcasting originally, you know, came a lot of us from talk radio as I did. I was on talk radio in Nashville for six years, came into podcasting, but a lot of us had, were, were into, you know, information. So it's the old greats, masters of achievement like Earl Nightingale, Napoleon Hill. Dennis Waitley, Norman Vincent Peale, Zig Ziglar, those kind of guys. You know, those are the ones who would be doing podcasts today if they were around. But that content is not what the majority of podcasts are offering. Now, this really was kind of mind blowing to me because I thought we still had a pretty strong place in this arena with content for people who want to become better, people who want to grow who want to learn more, who want to learn about doing things that are meaningful, learn how to shape the world in a positive way. But here's the deal. There's a big graphic that I have in front of me right here that was at the Pandora chart, actually, at the Pandora booth at the conference, showing the top growing podcast genres. You know the very top one? True crime. There are hundreds, thousands of podcasts that are devoted to true crime, which blows my mind. I don't understand it, but it's there. You know, another one that's really hot? Wrestling. Wrestling is up 109% this year in terms of popularity and podcasting. Now we've got stand-up comedy is hot. Um, Shows, TVs, animation, Sports, fiction, history, those are all hot. The ones on personal development, improving your family, uh, knowing how to handle your finances, the personal growth, business, career, zero. They don't even appear to charge. We're such a small, tiny percentage of the podcast out there. Now, that being said, again, in terms of audience, you know, I'm in the top 1%, which is You know, pretty cool to know that there are a lot of people who are interested in this, what we talk about here week after week. But it doesn't represent a big number in terms of those 4 million podcasts. So you can kind of work through the math on that. There's a whole lot of podcasts out there on those topics that I talked about that don't have a lot of listeners. So just because there's more of them, it doesn't mean that it's uh, really attracting more audience. They're all fighting for that tiny audience share. And there's a lot of podcasts out there that don't get a hundred downloads a month. So we're still hanging in there. Thanks for being part of this audience, part of 48 Days to the Working Love, where we are looking for, how do we get ahead? How do we stay on top of the changes that are going on? Well, let me jump into some things here. Now, you know, it's a hot topic right now, this thing about student loan debt relief. I'm not going to go into the political... Kind of implications of that, but it has happened, and so theoretically, uh, people who out there who have student loan debt and are making less than one hundred twenty five thousand dollars a year will get ten thousand dollars reduction in that. Now, here's the deal: because it's so prominent in the news, because there's so much um, anticipation about that, it's also the perfect setup for scammers, and we've seen that. I mean, scammers have just jumped on board because of last week's announcement of the student debt relief program and the extension of loan repayment pause. And what they're doing then, they're busy using the phones, text, emails, social media, anything they can to get the attention saying, hey, we can help you. We can get you to the front of the line. We can get even more money than what you thought forgiven. You know, we can extend the terms of what you already have in place. Well, be very, very careful because chances are, well, here's the kind of thing you're likely to get, a robo call. You need to get a spam call, phone message. The reason we're calling you is because your student loan is eligible for a forgiveness program. We need your authorization to complete the process. Please call our office. That sounds very official. Well, what they do then, you know, they get information from you. A lot of times they get personal information that allows them to then use that for identity theft and to take advantage of you in other ways and they can't do what they're claiming they can do they can't move you up the line they can't really do anything they're just they're just scammers and what they do is they'll say you know you, you're going to get ten thousand dollars a reduction I think maybe we can get you 20 now there are some things if you have Pell Grants, you might be eligible for $20,000 reduction in what you owe. But again, be very careful with the promises they're making. These people who take the initiative to call you 100%, they are not representing the government. They're not there to help you. They're there to take your money, and they're going to ask for fees to help you do that. Just be very, very careful about that. I mean, there are, you, can, you can go to the Department of Education And uh, sign up to get updates on the process and the timetable, when this program actually opens up, when the the dates are going to be, where you can actually go in and and apply for your $10,000 forgiveness. But be patient. Don't rush this and be taken advantage of. Okay, that's it. That's, a, that's the that's that's the negative in the news, but it was just something that I thought we ought to address because we're getting so many inquiries about that. You know what they can do, and and again, it just is a perfect setup for a, a scam kind of situation. Now it has been we it, it is now now into September, so in August, as you remember, I set up something actually in july just kind of spontaneously mentioned the impact of the strangest secret that little 32 minute recording on uh, from earl nightingale with the principle being we become what we think about i said hey just why don't you do what it recommends in that recording in the rec- in the recording he r- recommends that you take a 30-day challenge that you listen to it for 30 days and I said at the time, if you do, I guarantee your life will never be the same again. Well, I didn't really think that through a lot, and I was blown away at the number of people that I heard from who said, hey, I'm in. I'm in. I'm going to do that. Well, now we've passed August 30th, so it's been 30 days. And a whole lot of people said, I completed it. I actually did that. Now here's how I view that. I and I did it myself. I mean once people started telling me in July, gee, I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna do that, it, it kind of put the pressure on me if I was encouraging people to do it, to do it myself. And frankly, I don't think I've ever done that before. I mean the recording impacted me heavily when I was a, a kid, but I don't know that I actually listened to it thirty days in a row. Now I did listen to it many, many times over the years since but this probably was a first for me as well. And once committed, it's like a building a habit. I mean, once the decision was there, boom, it's going to happen. And did we travel during the month? Yes, we did. Was it inconvenient, you know, in hotels and airports to make sure that I listened to it every day? Yes, it was, but that's not going to stop us. Did we get unexpected visitors? Yes, we did. But every single day I listened to that. Now here's the interesting thing. So the 30th, was actually Tuesday, meaning then August having 31 days, there was one more day. I was so used to listening to it, I thought, I'm going to miss it if I don't listen to it. So I listened to it again on Wednesday, day 31. And I'm not sure how many of those I'll continue, but uh, it it is just so inspiring. I'm hearing from people who are extremely successful people who understood the principle of asking, and I want to come back to that here in just a minute. But I, I think that listening to The Strangest Secret for 30 days, it's like an insurance policy against failure. You know what an insurance policy is, and you get an insurance policy for your house, you don't anticipate that it's ever going to get struck by lightning or get flooded, you know, or burned down or get destroyed in a hurricane or whatever. You don't anticipate it's an insurance policy. But it's nice to know that it's there. It gives you some security, some protection. That's how I view the strangest secret. And what I observed, the people that I heard from, I heard from a lot of people who were very, very successful. And they said, I'm going to do this. Those are the people who are saying, hey, things are great, but I want that insurance policy. So whatever, wherever you are in that, again, I'm already getting stories in. Now, I said that I would accept those stories until September 5th. So whenever you're listening to this, you got until the 5th to submit your story about having listened to it, however many days you did, that's fine. But I wanted to know, you know, how are you controlling your thinking to maintain positive thinking? You know, what shaped you to be the person you are today? What did you do to change the direction of your life at any point in history? I'm getting some really interesting stories in already. I'd love to hear yours. So I suggested that maybe you write between 800 and 1,000 words. That's not a hard line. I'm not an English teacher, and you know, I'm not your you're not a student here. You're you're somebody who's growing and developing. I want to hear it. I don't care if it's 50 words or if it's twenty thousand. You. you tell me what you just in a way that helps you identify and clarify what happened to you. But I'd love to hear some stories about the impact of the strangest secret or about that concept at least. So shoot your story into me again. You can shoot that into 48 days.com slash ask Dan. So again, just the same place you submit a question for the podcast here, comment resources and all that 48 days.com slash ask Dan. Now, what are the principles that's mentioned over and over again in The Strangest Secret is the power of this verse. Now, he mentions this out of the Bible. A lot of other people have used this as well over the, over the years, but it comes basically from Matthew 7, 7, where it says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Now, I've had a lot of fun with some friends already, and just experimenting with that during the month of August, asking for things that we normally wouldn't ask for. It reminds me of the little video. There's a guy who went through 100 days of rejection just so he'd get used to people saying no, so it wouldn't hurt him so much. So he'd like go to uh, you know, McDonald's and get a hamburger and fries, and then he'd go up and ask for a hamburger refill. Now, you know you can get a drink refill, but he'd ask for a hamburger refill. And they're like, you know, what are you talking about? Well, he just asked, and it's amazing what he experienced over those 100 days, things that you would normally think, well, the answer would obviously be no, when the answer turned out to be yes. So here, here's an example. Richard Branson, you know, Richard, I, I, I just, uh, it's on my mind because I just watched one of the new episodes of Masterclass. So he's got a class on there on entrepreneurship, the things that he's done. Incidentally, the master class is something that I've been accessing a lot, and a lot of people I know are taking advantage of what's there. It's a way to learn from people who have been extremely successful, but uh, that's one of the benefits that we're going to have in our Eagles community as we open it back up for a certain level. We've got a new level called Eagles Elite for our Eagles program, and uh, with that level, of membership Uh, we're going to provide we got a master license for master class i'm really excited about that also visible tv so we've got some things lined up where we know they add to people's personal growth personal improvement and we're delighted to add those in and offer those um, as part of the membership for the eagles elite program anyway so richard branson he tells a story on there about how years ago now a lot of you may know that um he owns Necker Island, one of the islands down in the Virgin Islands. He owns that. You hear about that a lot. And a lot of parties happen there, events, conferences, and so on. But anyway, so he was just a young guy, exactly 28 years old. And he called a real estate agent and told him he was thinking about buying an island down there in the Virgin Islands. Now, again, he was young. He had a very young business and yeah, he sure, certainly wasn't experiencing the kind of financial success that he has today. But he just reached out to a new real estate agent. They responded exactly as he hoped they would. They said they'd give him an airline ticket to come down. Then they'd take him on a helicopter ride to show him some of the islands. Well, he asked for two because he wanted to take along his girlfriend. And he thought this would really impress her. And it did. So they flew down to the virgin islands so just went down in the morning came back that night but went down and they saw necker island from the air now he says it's the most beautiful island he'd ever seen 74 acres and he asked how much they wanted for the island they said six million dollars Now, he thought that he could probably scrape together maybe about $18,000. That's all the money he could possibly come up with. This is what he was thinking. But he made an offer of $100,000. Well, they're asking $6,000. He made an offer of $100,000. He was quickly evicted by the insulted owner. Actually, the real estate agent who took him there didn't even give him a ride back to the airport because he was so upset that he made that kind of ridiculous offer after he had flown him down there, paid for his airline ticket to come down there, two airline tickets to come down there. But the deal was, Richard asked. And he kept asking. They took it off the market. No one else ever came to see the place. He kept in touch. He kept reaching out to the owner. And a year later, he bought that island for $180,000. That's pretty amazing, just because he asked. And yes, the lady who flew down there with him became his wife, the mother of his children. They got married on the island. Now that island, well, it's... it's seen as a real hotspot at this point of private welcoming sanctuary. You can you can um, rent the whole island, everything that's there at this point with the mansions and cabins and everything for $107,000 a night. Well, but the, the point is he asked, he just asked. And I'm finding people are surprised by what happens if they ask. Now, this is not meant to take advantage of anybody at all but there are a lot of things that are resources that are available that we just simply don't ask for. And listening to, and of course I listen to a lot of podcasts, which I think is important. It's like, if you're going to be an author, you better be reading a lot of books. That's the way you become a great author. I think if you're going to be a podcast host, you ought to listen to a lot of podcasts. And I consume a lot of podcasts. I looked at my feed this morning and counted, I have 53 Podcast in my feed, where I automatically get notified when they have a new episode. And so I, I listened. I consume a lot of podcasting. But anyway, I heard in one of those just recently that it's kind of like having a um, having a wheelbarrow with a million dollars in it. Most of us reach in and take out a dollar. It's there, but we just reach in and. Take out a dollar. Just not sure what would happen if we really expected more. Well, that's a principle. Again, we can kind of go from. Well, I want to include a couple of questions here, and uh, one comes from Carly. Now, this is an interesting question in light of where we are right now. And again, listen to your question. I'm going to have you listen to the audio of this, and then we'll we'll dive into it.
1: Hi, Dan. So it's taken me a while to figure out what I want to do with my life as far as the next career move. And finally, I think I have discovered that I am really interested in real estate. Um, I've worked in Title escrow for three years. My dad's a home inspector and has built homes, and I've really just kind of grown up around the industry for a long time. Well, I got all excited about jumping into and getting my license when I ran this by my pastor and some different people in my life. And got some really discouraging feedback just for the times that we're in thinking that the real estate industry, what they've been telling me is the real estate industry is projected to not do very well. Um, Do you have any suggestions for me? Should I move forward in this career? Something that I finally think I'm excited about, or should I go back to the drawing board and find something else that um, maybe would do better in the times that we are in? Although that is pretty hard to be able to project that, I think, in the times that we're in, because almost anything can be unstable.
0: All right, Carly, thanks for your your question. I love the way you set it up, and you really set up a couple of different options here. Should you follow your passion, follow your heart, follow your curiosity, or should you listen to other people's good advice and try to find something outside of yourself that would work? Well, you know where I'm going to go with that. My Encouragement is going to be, follow your curiosity. You know, there's there's a, a sequence that we see played out again and again and again, and that is follow your curiosity, become proficient in doing something that builds your passion. From that, you can clarify your purpose, provide a promise to people, and get profit. That's a sequence that people move right through. So you're much better. I mean, you, you, you short circuit that if you just try to go to what can I promise people that'll make me money. And that's a real short circuited process for trying to find a way to spend your time and enjoy life. Now, even if now you're, you're talking about something, it's not, it's not odd, it's not unusual. And oh my goodness, when you talk about is now a good time. You have to realize in real, well, people ask me about my business, you know, how does the economy, I was on a TV show recently and they asked, you know, how does the economy ups and downs affect my business? And I said, well, I'm in kind of a strange business because if things are really poor in the economy, people are desperate for new options. So they're reaching out to me and what we have to offer. If things are really good, people realize I'm in the driver's seat. I'm not trapped. I have all kinds of options. I need to figure this out. So no matter if the economy is good or bad, my business does very well. Real estate is the same way. Here's what often happens. So if we're in a boom economy, everybody jumps into real estate. There's no barriers to interest and people go into that. It's an attractive kind of thing to do and rightfully so. If things tighten up a little bit, a whole lot of people who are in real estate who never really researched it well. They were never really serious about it. They were just kind of professional visitors and driving people around in their cars and looking at pretty houses. They put their licenses into escrow. They say, oh, things are bad, so I'm gonna pull back. So there's a whole lot fewer people who are in real estate, who really understand and are professional about it. Now, things are changing in real estate right now. We've seen this, what is probably somewhat of an artificial inflation in real estate prices. So everything has gone up dramatically. So people think, well, there's going to be a bubble, blah, blah, blah. It's still a really good time for sellers or for buyers. I mean, it's not a time. People are not stopping buying. I mean, in the community I live in, wow. I mean, there's some people decided they're going to cash out. Yeah, because prices are so extremely high. But if you want to live in this community, you need to be prepared to pay what the going rate is right now. And it's not likely to come down. So I think it's a wonderful time. Now, here's the thing from you in in terms of exploring being a real estate agent. Wow, things have gone up. We're still working with pretty much agents expecting a 6% commission. So if five years ago, you sold a house for $500,000, you know, that's going to get you at 6% it would be $30,000, you know, which is still a pretty good chunk. But now that same house may be selling for $2 million. I mean, we have neighbors here that just sold their house for $1,925,000. Well, you get a 6% commission on a $2 million house. That's $120,000. I mean, that's an entire year's income for a lot of people. So I think it's a wonderful time. I mean, it's something that, it has a lot of appeal for me. Now I'm not looking for something new to do, but I love the idea of being a really professional real estate agent. I think it's a wonderful time. And again, I don't think it has anything to do with the economy. If it's something that you find interesting that you think you would do well, absolutely do it. And then the thing is, there's no downside. I mean, it's not like you have to go to school for eight years to become licensed. No, go get your license. You can experiment with it. You can do it for a year. But I would encourage you to do that. You know, don't get into it for a month and say, well, gee, I haven't gotten a new listing yet. I'm going to quit. No. Get your license. Get with a good broker, somebody that you can really be proud of being a part of, and do it for a year. But I think with what you've described here that you're going to rock it. And I would encourage you by all means to move forward in that. And you know, the funny thing is uh, they say success is the greatest revenge, and we don't mean it to... We frame it as a negative thing, revenge, but you get a little success. Those same people that were telling you to, oh no, you probably ought to explore something else. You're going to say, wow, how can I get involved? You know, how were you so lucky? That's what they'll be asking you. Well, here's a 36 year old guy who says, should I return to get my MBA? I'm doing well in what I'm doing. And he goes on with other details. Now, here, before I answer that, I want to also address something that's happening in the work environment, people who have traditional jobs. Quiet quitting is all over the news. I mean, it's gone viral. People are doing TikTok videos on quiet quitting. Now, the deal is quiet quitting means that somebody just does the basic minimum, no more. They're they're not going above and beyond. They're just kind of doing the minimum that's required just enough to not get fired. But they probably have plans to move out on their own. Quiet quitting. Well, the flip side of that is, you know, it, well, quiet quitting, you know, it's, it's doing what's required without actually telling your boss you're leaving. And it's just blown up on social media out there, right? When uh, employers are desperate to keep people There's a whole lot of people who are just doing the basics. And so it's this term, quiet quitting. But there's also a counterpart to that, and that is quiet firing. That's an employer who doesn't give raises, uh, doesn't really give promotion opportunities, um, just doesn't give you the time of day. And they've already let people go, but they expect you to continue doing your work. And they don't really care if you do leave. Quiet firing. So I don't know where you are on the continuum of that. You can be on either side of that. But um, neither sound very appealing. Neither are very good terms to attach to yourself for any given period of time. But both of those are happening. And you know, the quiet quitting especially has really gone viral as a concept where people are just doing the basic minimum work just doing what's required of you. No more. That's certainly not a way to get ahead. It's not a great service to your company, but it can be a temporary kind of band-aid position while you figure something else out and move to it, which is usually the case in what's going on. So, should you return to get your MBA? Now, a reason I framed this as I did is because uh, returning to get your MBA probably only has It is an issue if you are going to look for a job with a traditional company. I mean, aside from that, very, very unlikely that it would make sense to do that. Because if the the theory is to just learn how to run a business, to learn how to do, do a business better, there's a whole lot of ways you can learn how to do that without the time or the expense of going back to get your MBA. So the real value of having an MBA is so you can put it on your resume, so it makes you a better candidate for the company in terms of when they're hiring, looking at candidates. And unfortunately, it really doesn't carry a whole lot of weight today. It's the most misunderstood degree that we have out there because it's so uh, ubiquitous. It's so so common and it covers so much territory. Nobody knows exactly what it really means. What companies really are going to look at is, what have you done in the last two years? What have you done in the last six months? You know, what can we look at that proves your competence in your area of expertise? The fact that you have another degree that's a pretty common degree eh, probably doesn't carry a lot of weight. Now that being said, if you enjoy the process of academic study, so you you really, would like to do that. And if you can do this in a way that you don't have to incur student loan debt, since we talked about that earlier, certainly don't do that. You know, don't. We have to look at what's called the opportunity cost. It's not just the tuition that you would pay, but also the income you would lose by not working during that period of time. So if you stop working um, $80,000 a year job for two years, that's $160,000. There you've lost an income, let alone then the tuition if you you know, we're paying another $80,000 a year, another 160000 there for tuition. That's a big, big opportunity cost. So don't go there. I mean, if you want to get an MBA, there are ways to do that. There are all all of the big schools are offering online programs for their MBAs at this point. You can go to Wharton. I mean, one of the best schools out there for an MBA, I suspect. And you can do a weekend program where maybe one weekend a month you actually go there for classes, do that over a you know short period of time and you got your MBA. So yeah, you can do it. But again, the only real long-term reason is if you want to get a job. So the question is, it begins with, where do you want to be three years from now? What do you want your life to look like three years from now? If that is getting a job with a major corporation, then perhaps it's justified. Outside of that, if you want to start your own business, no. You know, if you, golly, I mean, there's all kinds of directions that you might go, but, uh, chances are it's not going to really make much difference, except if you want to get a job. And even there, if you want to go to work for Dropbox or Google or Microsoft or someplace like that, it's probably not going to make any difference. And I know somebody right now who has completed their sixth interview with a major uh, foundation, uh, and this gentleman doesn't have a college degree of any kind but he's got a proven track record of what he's done. And this is for, you know, $200,000 plus position that he's looking for. So it depends, you know, who you're going to go to work for. If you're going to go to work for an academic institution or a bank or the government, yeah, then an MBA probably still carries some weight. All right. Now, I want to go back to the idea of, are you following a crippled dog? I heard a story recently, and it doesn't matter if it's anecdotal or if it was actual the point is the point is true and i got another story to kind of verify this but the gentleman talked about a dog that got hit by a car lost most of the use of her back legs but she also happened to be pregnant now when she had the puppies all the puppies pulled their back legs along just like their mother now there was no physical issue they just modeled what they saw that's pretty poignant image. These little puppies dragging their back legs, no physical problem at all. They're normal puppies, but that's what they observed. And again, we're back to, it's hard to be what you have not seen. I mean, that's why a couple weeks ago, again, I talked about the importance of having mentors, having somebody that you can look at and follow. I mean, failure is a learned behavior. We think what we've seen is normal. Well, success is a learned behavior as well. That's why we encourage you to find people who are performing at the level which you want to perform. I mean, that's one of the best ways to accelerate your success is find people you can spend time with, be around, under the influence of, who are ahead of you. And what you're doing. I mean, I, I, that's what I've always done. Continue to do that today. Look for people whose success is something I want to model. That's why I'm such a voracious student of books, courses. Just finished another course, five-week course that I went through that uh, helped me immensely in a particular area that I wanted to improve. Found somebody who really understood that. Boom, went right through it. So this is a recent story. We're well, always looking about this story about the, the dog dog who was crippled and then the puppies came along the same way there was just this was just recently in england there was an owner who spent 300 dollars to treat his dogs limping and then he found out the dog was simply imitating him out of sympathy now this is a guy who went through an accident he had a broken leg and so he was walking with a limp now walking beside him there's a video you can find this it's a A London resident, you can find it easily. So the dog is walking alongside his owner, clearly with a visible limp, struggling to walk along. And so the guy took his dog to the vet to get him checked out. After x-rays and rounds of examination by doctors, Russell, the owner, discovered there's no physical injury to be found anywhere in the dog. He said, it cost me $300 in vet fees and x-rays. Nothing wrong, just sympathy gotta love him. So the dog was just imitating his owner out of sympathy. Now they were able to kind of track it back and realize, yeah, he started limping shortly after his owner's injury. And he must've picked it up that his owner was no longer able to walk properly. So he started doing it as well. I mean, is that amazing or what? Does that ever emphasize the idea that we better be careful who we're watching, who we're modeling. We tend to take on their behaviors. I mean, we see it all the time. I mean, that's why kids you know, start smoking or using drugs or using foul language. They're around others who are doing that. And it becomes, tends to rub off. I mean, we hear the old phrase, you know, Jim Rohn. We become the average of the five people we spend the most time with. I mean, this is really important, who you spend time with, who you're watching, who you're following. I want to find, I want to watch people who are doing well, who are doing admirable kind of things. I know you do, too. Well, hey, I hope it's been encouraging. Uh, Remember the, the crippled dog. Don't be following a crippled dog. If you're following a crippled dog, wow, find somebody new to hang around, somebody to model, somebody to spend time with, somebody to work for, perhaps, if you need to do so. Well, hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for sending in your questions. Submit those questions to me, or the questions, yeah, that. But also your responses to the strangest secret. I can't wait to see some of those. Be sharing some of those next week. I can't wait to be sharing some of those stories. And then I'm going to select two people to bring on the podcast here with me, interview, and talk a little bit about your experience, how you now are controlling your thinking and your thoughts so that you're moving the directions you want to. So again. Submit those stories to 48days.com slash ask Dan. But thanks for listening here. Thanks for sending in your questions. Thanks for being open to growing, for being that powerful force, for making the world a better place. Again, I encourage you to share this episode. You know, maybe you got somebody you know is following a limping dog and you, you think they need a little encouragement to step out on their own and find a new model. You know, they'll thank you for it. Become known for your positivity, for offering hope and encouragement to others. And... Be that kind of person that other people expect to lift them up. Not somebody who's going to be complaining, whining, pointing fingers, blaming. No, that's not you. We aren't in that crowd. We're in a different crowd. We may be small in numbers. Maybe we can let those people listen to this other kind of podcast, but we're here figuring out how to do better and how to serve others well. So stay committed to your belief that we can, without a shadow of a doubt, find or create work that is meaningful purposeful and profitable.